The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos talk about today spider-man far from home is well what is called the epilogue of phase three it's like it's like it comes up after avengers endgame in fact if you look at the trailer for uh spider-man far from home you'll even have uh, tom holland in the beginning saying hey if you haven't seen avengers endgame yet uh, don't watch this because there are a lot of spoilers and tom holland who's famous for <laughs> unfortunately spoiling things from time to time during his press uh, but uh, but yes, this is a, this has been a while back. We've been out for a bit, and uh, what we do here at the end is we each panel member tries to watch the movie, you know, view the day or few before coming back on and making their most recent viewing of a comparing it to the very first time. Did the movie hold up? Did it not hold up as well? Um, was it better? Was it worse? Uh, because I think what we find with a lot of these films is we tend to, I think we tend to en- elevate and denigrate unfairly over time. So we're with the MCU review, we're trying to give it. Somebody have a window open or something? Just, it's like a swooshing sound every time. I, okay. So I hear like a. Is that me? Is that my mic or something like that? Or is that my mic? Is I that what was coming from Elliot? Is it? But I have no microphone. I have no microphone. Is that is your it... window? Wow. Anyway, if you're just watching us for the first time, that's how the show works. And uh, thank you so much if you're watching us on Facebook Live, YouTube streaming, or Twitch. Uh, thank you to our regular viewers, Susan, as always. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, I know you guys are waiting. Apologies. We had something very similar happen with Whiskey and a Cookie, I believe. Uh, last weekend where there were some technical issues. So if you haven't been watching the Patty Vasquez show, um, this tends to be run of the mill, but we get over it. Anyway, this show streams live on all our different platforms as well as on the Radio Misfits podcast network later on as part of the Caffeinated Comics series. So uh, if you missed the live stream, you can always watch our videos as part of the archive on the Facebook page, and on the YouTube page, or always, you can ask your smart speaker, Alexa, play. I can't say that out loud, but um, it's um, <coughs> smart speaker, smart speaker, play. Caffe- I'm having trouble hearing. Yes, I know. I'm can sorry. You say that again? No, no, that's okay, Alexa. Don't mind. Never mind. Uh- <laughs> you know, I'm having the same problem. I have, I, I got one for Prime Day. I put it right next to the TV, and I changed the name to computer, and now it has discussions with Star Trek. Star Trek. There we go. Right. Okay. Literally, literally yesterday was like armed photon torpedoes. Hmm. I don't know that. <laughs> so thank it, God it answered. Even it didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so in other words, insert name of smart speaker and ask it to play caffeinated comics on Radio Misfits, and then you'll get not only caffeinated comics and the MCU review, but Top Men and Indiana Jones podcast, where we finished uh, the Indiana Jones series with Dial of destiny 
So we're jumping into Spider-Man Far From Home. It's the second of the Spider-Man series that takes place within the MCU, not to be confused with the Sam Raimi or the Andrew Garfield. You know, it's funny. It just occurred to me. We call, I call it the Sam Raimi films, but not the Tobey Maguire ones. And I, th I think it's because Mark Webb is not as well known as Andrew Garfield, whereas Sam Raimi is more well known than Tobey Maguire. I do the same thing. Yeah. Right. I call it the Raimi trilogy the same way I call uh, the Michael Keaton movies, the Burton films. The Burton films. Very good. So I would say we, wait, what? Okay. Now Burton films, not Burton trilogy. Cause there was no trilogy. No, you only made two. Right. Anywho. Um, <laughs> anyway, so at this point, uh, for those who've never watched before, we do lead off our um, our discussion with where are you, darn it, with what we call our two minute MCU movie review, and that's when each of our panelists will discuss their viewing of the film if they were able to watch it most recently. Wonderful. If not how they felt about it the first time. And I want to start with the biggest Spider-Man fan on the show. That would be you, John. I did watch it today. I watched it a couple of hours ago. Uh, and I I wasn't going to because it was really fresh in my mind. And then I realized uh, once I got into it, I was like, I'll watch a little bit to refresh my memory and watch the whole thing in one sitting. It's uh, really entertaining. I think it's the least classic Spider-Man movie ever made. Um, it touches almost nothing on the mythology. There's no Manhattan. There's no uh, supervillains. Uh, it's it takes place in Europe. It's very high school, and yet it's great. It really it really works because it keeps subverting you. I mean, as as you said, I'm an old Spider-Man fan. So when they announced Mysterio was going to be a major character, I was like, well, he's the villain, and even I was wavering because this takes so many chances. There's a moment where I'm like, well, maybe, maybe Mysterio is not a villain in the MCU. And it set me up for that sucker punch because it wasn't doing what, what I, what I wanted to do all the time. What the Sam Raimi movies do is like repeat the beats of the comic. Like I, I love the comic and I want to see, I want to see a sick Aunt May. I want to see him selling pictures to Daily Bugle. I want to see him lonely. I want to see him jumping around Manhattan. There's absolutely none of that in here. And, uh, and it's still, completely entertaining and it's, uh, it's interesting we mentioned this as an epilogue to the mcu and as i was watching it i felt like it was very much a reaction to the other spider-man movies because this has a foot in both worlds it's an mcu film but it also it's also acknowledging the franchise and obviously in the next spider-man it's going to go way beyond but homecoming was all about the things they wouldn't do you know the things that have become tropes in spider-man and here it's like the slow re-embracing of things like the long web swinging shot across Manhattan. They wouldn't do that in Homecoming. And we ended with here. J. Jonah Jameson. They wouldn't do that. We ended it here. So it's it's a movie that like takes chances and is comfortable taking less chances than Homecoming. And I find it fascinating. Dave. Yeah, so I rewatched this one uh, yesterday afternoon. And uh, yeah, John took a lot of the words out of my mouth. It, I think it's a fun movie. Like he said, it's different from most other Spider-Man movies. Um, I like it as a uh, sort of change of pace from the last couple 
I guess MCU films because it feels um, sort of like a smaller story, even though it's there's a little bit of uh, I guess globe trotting in the sense that you leave New York, but it's not like they're they're you know it's going from a ton, you know one place to another place to another place. Um, but it's you know a smaller group of characters. It's not you don't have a bunch of event, different Avengers characters showing up other than uh, Nick Fury, of course. And uh, it's just it's you know you could focus more on these smaller groups of characters, and especially uh, I think Mysterio is a great villain, and I think they make uh, a lot of really great use out of him uh, when it's only basically one sort of villain that they're focusing on rather than a bunch like in the Avengers films. Um, and there's a bunch of, you know, there's some, some funny moments in this. I, the thing that got me was when um, the one teacher is, is trying to take a selfie on the bridge and then he pulls it off and he's looking at it and then he just drops the camera <laughs> out of nowhere. Nothing prompts him. He just completely loses his grip and, and drops it into the water. Uh, I love that JB Smoove is in this as well. Uh, probably best known as playing Leon and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, and, uh, one thing that another stray observation I had is I briefly walked out of the room into the kitchen to grab something while I was watching this movie. And it was right before um, Jake Gyllenhaal makes his first appearance other than like that very opening scene. And I was telling Tom when I saw him earlier today, I didn't realize how much Jake Gyllenhaal sounds like Paul Rudd. So I was thinking, does Ant-Man have a cameo in this that I that I had completely forgotten about? The unexpected Avengers cameo? That's no, they just have a very similar speaking voice. Uh, so that was just a total, another totally random uh, observation I made. Um, I will say it's probably the of the three Tom Holland Spider-Man films, probably the one I enjoy uh, the least, but I also still really enjoy it. Um, so it's not like I, I think poorly of this film in any way. I just, I, I, re I love Homecoming and I also really like No Way Home. So this just falls, you know, just a little short of those two. But um, I think taken as a whole, those three together, it's it's a really strong trilogy. So you would say uh, Far From Home is the Temple of Doom of the Spider-Man movies? <laughs> I suppose, yes. Yeah. And I shouldn't, I really shouldn't bring up Temple of Doom before segueing to Tom Chetner. <laughs> what would be an ep What would be a, one of our podcasts without bringing that up? You know, pretty much. Yeah, that's the one, I'm gonna. I'm gonna flog that one. I'm gonna. Flog oh yeah, beat that horse until it's dead in the ground. So I have no problem with that. Um, okay, is it is it my turn? This is my turn. Um, so this is this is the bridge movie in the MCU from, or at least it was supposed to be the bridge movie to the post. Iron Man post Captain America setup, uh, and it's literally a bridge movie. Uh, we have uh, the Charles Bridge in Prague, we have the Rialto Bridge in Venice, and we have the Tower Bridge in London. So almost all of our some kind of major event happens on a bridge in every part of this movie that they go to. And this movie is there's a big questions like who's going to take over for Iron Man? Who's going to fill Tony Stark's shoes, who's going to be in this central place in the MCU. And that wound up let me leaving me feeling different this time around because of how much the pandemic affected 
where the MCU was going to go, what directions it was going to take, what the production values were going to be going forward. This is this movie came out in July of 2019, and we did not get another MCU movie until well after March of 2020 when the entire world went on lockdown. So it's interesting in the sense of what you can kind of see off in the distance where they were going to go or where they wanted to go. And maybe we didn't quite reach those shores, but it's, it's interesting as a historical artifact in that sense. As far as the movie itself, I had a great time watching it. Uh, I enjoyed it the first time around. I enjoyed it again the second time around. I found a lot of it in common, I think, with Iron Man 3 in that you do get the focus grouped villain who's made up of component parts, but instead of component parts of different villainous or evil uh, personas, you get component parts of different heroes. You can just tell that Mysterio's armor is just, it's Thor's armor mixed with Iron Man's armor, that the whole story is very much the same. He's even like an intergalactic cop like Captain Marvel. So the, the way that it's set up is very similar. You get that same misdirection. I also found Mysterio to be the most bloodthirsty villain we've seen in quite a while in terms of his casual ruthlessness regarding other people's lives and how much property damage and how many bodies he probably stacked up all because Tony Stark gave his project a dumb name. So I found him to be, you know, a real dick. Um, uh, but the thing that, uh, is always good about that. And the thing that I always come back to with this movie is just how cute Peter and MJ are. It's just, it's just very adorable. And it seems very high school and awkward the way high school romances are and the way that, uh, Spider-Man hasn't always been. So that was, that's always fun to see. So that's my summary. And you did make a drink, correct, for today's show? Yes, I did. So uh, we found ourselves in Venice again. We were just in Venice not too long ago for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So uh, I basically did a tiramisu in a glass. And uh, tiramisu was invented in uh, another city, Treviso, which is another city in the Venice region, the Veneto. And this drink went through about four different variations. I think I told Dave I had come up with a fifth after I met up with him earlier today. Um, each, I have a feeling if you if you had handed me the the mixed cocktail as you were coming up with this new idea, you would have taken it back. <laughs> well, sometimes you just have to stop and go with your best idea that you have, and I think that. I think this one turned out pretty okay. And it's effectively, it's a variation on an espresso martini. Uh, but um, in emulating the, the lady fingers that you get in a tiramisu, you have egg white and you have a vanilla syrup that goes in there to add a little sweetness and savoriness on top of the coffee and the chocolate and uh, the brandy in this case. So uh, Dave, you're drinking it. What is, what is your uh, taste profile here? It is, well, it's everything you just described. Uh, it's very different from um, any other cocktail you've done so far to this point. So um, I know there are a couple 
I think the last episode or, or maybe it was when we were doing, we we're doing dial of destiny and we're trying to rank, um, those five drinks. And, and I, they're all delicious. I don't mean this as a criticism, but I could, I, I was having a hard time remembering like which one was which from the, from the first couple. This though is very distinctive. Like I said, it doesn't, it's because like you said, it's an espresso, it's a variation similar to an espresso martini. It's very different from anything you've done. It's very tasty. Very good. I thought the ingredient list is if uh, anyone wants to make this at home is pretty straightforward. It's uh, brandy, espresso, um, vanilla syrup, and uh, egg white. And if you don't have chocolate bitters, you can use just a little of that uh, powdered cocoa powder to go over the top of it. Uh, that's what I'm doing tonight. So, And you can see if you're watching the live stream, there is the drink in question as well as in the hands of Dave and Tom. Uh, you can always go to Review Cocktails. That's R-E-V-U Cocktails on Instagram to see all of Tom's uh, concoctions, all his drinks, recipes, as well as a couple extra things here and there. Tom has also uh, made drinks for our uh, our uh, Indiana Jones podcast. And did did you do one? No, no. We you just we just talked about the drinks of James Bond when we had you on for Shaken Not Heard. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you want me to throw a Vesper up there at some point, I will. You can always do that. But um, again, all the cocktails and in uh, directions, recipes on how to make your own can be found on the Instagram app at R-E-V-U Cocktails. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to um, see all the different drinks, just visit that Visit that account. Uh, give it a follow. Give uh, each of those cocktails, the ones that you like, give them a heart and share. Um, and, um, and let us know when you try them out. Let us know what you think. Okay, so far, uh, Tom, you have not, you have yet to make a, make one that I'm not, uh, that I haven't just flipped for. And it's always fun to be able to get those from you, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always, yeah, it's always fun to kind of handing them off because it's, uh, I have to figure out what how to transport it and what ingredients to leave out uh, because they, they maybe aren't necessarily shelf stable. I still have a uh, blue crystal sour sitting in the fridge at work. Uh, if uh, John ever wants to retrieve it, uh, he's going to have to let me know. Uh, the, the shelf life on that is fairly infinite, but I don't think it is infinite. So, <laughs> but I did have my uh, with that one actually my. Uh, my brother saw it on Instagram. He asked me to make that for him. He seemed to enjoy that one a lot. So I have mine is still sitting in the fridge. So that one I'm waiting. I mean, I've been drowning my sorrows for the past few weeks. So I'm I'm a, I'm a bit hit that one next. It makes a good uh, it makes a good Romulan ale substitute. So if you're watching uh, some uh, Star Trek, that might be a good idea. Well, that'll be the next podcast. The next, be the next podcast. podcast. I, I, there has been discussion. Yes, there has been discussion. Um, I want uh, uh, well, to tease it here. We're trying to figure out a new angle on Star Trek because there's so many out there. But we're thinking, let's just talk about the bad Star Trek movies. You know, I don't know. Just We'll start with uh, 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 Final Frontier and work our way around. <laughs> I was going to add, by the way, um, this drink is delicious enough to justify the fact that I'm drinking espresso at 7.30 in the evening. <laughs> I'm probably going to regret tomorrow morning, but that's worth it. Well, 
I don't have that problem. Oh, I have that problem. I can't even drink a Diet Pepsi now. <laughs> all right. So again, our EVU cocktails. Just find all of those drinks and those recipes. Um, as for my two-minute review, I will say this. Um, I just finished watching it before we came on air, uh, and it highlighted two issues. A, uh, could it freaking get the movie on streaming? I had to pull up my old Blu-ray. I had the Blu-ray uh, to watch it on because it is not on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the the lot, uh, Far From Home and No Way Home are on Stars, if you can believe that. Uh, the only one that you can find on Disney Pulse right now is Homecoming. Yeah, this is why I'm going to have to buy Across the Spider-Verse. First of all, to be able to hear it, because I was in one of those early screenings where the dialogue was washed out. Um, but also because of the Sony Disney thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sony tried Crackle, but that never took off. They don't really have a, a streaming platform on their own. So it's just going to kind of float around. Didn't they add the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films? To they Disney did very recently. They Before then, they were on Netflix. So yeah. there's like certain films that aren't really tied to it. Still studio. on Netflix, are they? They're yeah. then they're on both. They're on Disney Plus and Netflix. Yeah, that's possible because you've got Suits right now on Netflix and Hulu. So and the, and, uh, and the Indiana Jones movies too are on Paramount Plus and Disney Plus. So you know, right now there's this weird thing where. You can find some things split up, some series split up on different on different platforms, and some things showing up on multiple platforms. Yeah, my favorite was when Paramount Plus named themselves as the only home of Star Trek, and they pulled all the series off every streaming platform, and they started creating new series. And then about three months ago, they put half the movies on Hulu. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. that should make no sense. Um, but anyway... Oh, Polar Knights, thank you yet again uh, for commenting. Perfect evolution of beard growth. Yes, so we've got uh, Tom starting. Well, Dave's got his Magnum PI mustache. Um, Tom's got his little stubble growing in I there. Have my, my weekend growth before I have to go to court tomorrow. There you go. Uh, John, of course, you can't really tell, but he has a little full. It's fuller, but a lot of it's It's gray. getting whiter by the week, yeah. and my skin has been this white forever. <laughs> Yeah, and then I'm I'm going monochromatic. <laughs> I'm going to be I, a television show in the '50s by the next episode. Maybe I'll just. So if you see me with skinny tie and smoking a cigarette, that's why. <laughs> there, that, that might be a good theme for. I'm sure we'll do that for uh, WandaVision, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There you go. 60s television at that point. Well, what are we all dressed as a different decade for that? There you go. Okay, I'm calling the uh, the late 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, again, my beard is a, be- a decade that was in one division. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but beyond my issues trying to uh, find the movie and having uh, actually having the uh, watch the movie on my laptop computer because my Blu-ray decided to die. Um, it, I was reminded of a. Uh, that great sequence with Mysterio uh, pretty much screwing with Peter's head, that 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 uh, multiple sequence where Peter's trying to catch Mysterio, but Mysterio's throwing all these different illusions at him, and one after another, and that reminded me of the uh, Spider-Man animated series where they did something like that, but on a much uh, not as ambitious level. I mean, but I was there going on. Now that's maybe the '90s one, Elliot. Yeah. 
Okay. And that is not, that is something that, you know, uh, this Mysterio, that's what makes him such a cool villain. You know, that oh, yeah. In the 90s, now I remember that. In the 90s, he snuck up on Mysterio, turned him over, lifted up his fishbowl head, and Mysterio was a werewolf. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, not quite the level not of right. the Iron Man. screwing with Peter's head. Still. Yeah. And I, also to comment that the CGI in this one holds up really well, too. Really well, yeah. except for some reason, yeah. maybe it was my screen or just what I was paying attention to. The fire looked very CG. I don't know why I, I kept looking at the fire. I was like, well, that doesn't look good. Yeah, Especially like on Tower Bridge where there were like little fires. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but you're right. It's it's certainly better than what it is now because the MCU has stretched the effects houses so thin. Which are now um, unionizing apparently too. Yes. Good. So that's going to make it, it, it. We'll see how that goes. Um, so and then, of course, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, who for folks who might not have been aware Jake Gyllen when uh, Toby Maguire was holding out after the first Spider-Man to say, look, I'm not going to do this anymore unless you uh, raise my, um, my, my, uh, my pay rate a bit. Uh, so he said, okay, fine. We're just bringing in Jake Gyllenhaal. He'll be, he'll be uh, Spider-Man from now on there, you know, boom. And uh, so he said, oh no, no. Okay. I, I, I can play Spider-Man. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do it. And which, which makes you go, wow, that's, you look at Jake Gyllenhaal now, you know, the road not taken. Who knows? Yeah, I, lo I love that. The MCU likes that meta casting every now and then. It's like Mike, like making Michael Keaton the Vulture or making Chris Evans and uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, kill Monger and uh, Captain America because they were both Human Torch. Uh, but I love there's there's almost a meta commentary is that Mysterio is not only a fake superhero, he was a fake Spider-Man. And and a fake role model for Peter, because Peter looks to him as a father figure, and this is somebody who literally, for a minute, was an older Spider-Man. And and I have to keep reminding myself because as I was watching this, Peter had to go look. I'm just a 16 year old kid. I'm like, okay, all right, good, okay. Please, thank you for reminding me that he's 16 because that's the only way I can fathom him just being so ugh, just. I mean, he struggles like a 16-year-old kid would. I mean, He struggles I, like Peter Parker would, too. Peter Parker would. Peter Parker does not have the answers. That's one of the reasons That's one of the reasons I, he, I like him. Uh, that's one of the reasons he's not Batman. Oh, yeah. But you'll know, remember there were all these criticisms of, of how Peter Parker behaved in um, No Way Home, which we'll talk about the next time around. And the, the, there are a lot of little plot thingies that you just had to chalk up to Pete just being a teenage kid who has all this stuff heaped on him and um, that he's just figuring out things the way a 16 year old would given all that. So I was like, okay, you know what? I got to remember that. And, but again, uh, to echo all you guys, uh, very Spider-Man. I mean, I, I feel like this, these, this, the, so the Marvel cinematic universe, the MCU Sony films are the most Spidey of the live action films with the exception of, I say Sp the Spider-Man 2 with Sam Raimi's. And um, yeah, and No Way Home is is a kind of a love letter to their franchise. So it's like it's it's very Spidey in, in very different ways. Yeah, in in the same way that the Spider Verse films are very true to Spider Man, while being so many variations on the character. And the the the, the Spider Verse films are really the best. Are the best of, of all of them, I would say. 
they're, they're, they're the most fun. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I was realizing this watching it again. Uh, Dave, like you said, it's like, this is the one that I enjoy the least, but it's good. And uh, I had always chalked it up to, well, it's too different. It's not, it's not giving me the classic Spider-Man. It's, you know, it's this road movie. Uh, they're taking so many chances. But then I realized I forgot this came out in 2019 uh, Tom, as you said, right before the pandemic, but it also came out six months after Spider-Verse. And I think that might have lowered that might have uh, lowered my expectations a little bit because it's not as good as Into the Spider-Verse because, honestly, there aren't many animated movies that are as good as Into the Spider-Verse. There are many movies, period, as good as Into the Spider-Verse. So that's like... Yeah, so then to get into live-action Spider-Man movie that's good, I think that made it forgettable. But really... There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of weight in this movie, and there's a lot of great things. This movie does nothing wrong. It's just right. not Spider Verse. All right, let's uh, go a little bit deeper, and we've we've gotten our overviews. But what else? What else about this film? Let's consider how the movies were from when they first premiered and to now. And and Tom, you made a really good point about this being. This was the last MCU movie before the pandemic. And um, um, after that, we would get series. I mean, we'd, WandaVision would come out. Um, for, for At this point, Marvel would start leaning into the Disney Plus series. Um, any well, other? We would also get Black Widow, which was supposed to be a movie as a right. Disney Plus movie. So which kind of adds to Disney Plus being the dominant factor. And... Uh, like that, it changed the whole schedule because we didn't get any feature. Like, like even Black Widow came out in 2021. Like that was delayed for a good solid year. Um, yeah, I think Eternals is the next movie. I was trying, I was trying to remember the timeline because things things I don't th- go sequentially anymore. I think it was. I think it went Black Widow and then Eternals. Yeah, in terms of release, I think it went Black Widow and those and then Eternals, which are both. I mean, one is a, like a, essentially a flashback, and the other one is way different from anything we'd seen previously. So, I mean, one thing about watching this movie, and also one thing we can talk about in one sense is the corporate relationship between Sony and Disney is, in terms of the characters, a little bit different now. I understand that Sony might be trying to do its own thing again, which is maybe not did the chief of Sony put out saying Spider-Man is in good hands, our hands or something like that. And yeah, I think, I, well, they're always trying to break it because of the money, but right. um, the, and this is also a problem right now is that, you know, Sony went to Marvel after the Andrew Garfield movie started a tank, but the best and worst thing that happened to Sony was after they joined the MCU and did homecoming, um, they put out, Venom, which is not a great movie, but made a ton of money. Yeah, and then Spider Verse, which made a ton of money and won an Oscar. Yeah, so Sony's still walking around like, no, we got it, we got Spider Man. They they kind of want Disney to go away. And from what I've heard, the agreement is that any live action Peter Parker movie has to star Tom Holland and has to be shared with Disney. And then also every every movie they make with Tom Holland, they then have to have number one an MCU guest star, and then Tom Holland has to guest star in another movie, which mm-hmm. is why these three movies have Iron Man, Nick Fury, and Doctor Strange. Right. So it's this it's this push and pull. And yeah, Spider Verse is great, but Morbius. I mean, they they, they don't know. And has anyone seen the Craven trailer? 
<laughs> I wish I hadn't, but oh, it's so but, bad it made me talk like Matthew Perry. But the um, you can see from this movie that there was the, there at the time in 2019 there was a much closer that it looked at least because remember that uh, No Way Home was kind of still in the pipeline. You could kind of tell that Peter Parker was going to have a bigger role in the MCU maybe going forward post Endgame. Maybe not in the Tony Stark position of the, I guess you could say, main character, but critical of like, oh, hey, we've got all these superheroes in New York. Of course, Spider-Man is going to show show up at some point. Um, so that's kind of something, that, because we know that then later No Way Home goes through a bunch of different rewrites and they're trying to balance No Way Home with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. But it it seemed at this point like because it's such a thick, oh god, I keep, this burden on Peter Parker's shoulders of carrying on for Tony Stark. Which if you you think about it in the context of, I'm not that familiar with the comics, but the idea of Peter Parker being Tony Stark in the comics was seemed kind of laughable to me. Yeah, they did um, a story for about a year where Peter started his own technology firm and delivered to the story it fell apart. Almost yeah. immediately because he then he then screwed over his own product to save people as Spider-Man and uh, and added that to the character's many failures. So you'll right. still see today, you know, when people when J. Jordan Jameson is yelling at Peter Parker, and he's like, and your technology firm was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so they did try it, but they tried it going in knowing it can't happen. Right. And, and but that is the that is the Marvel burden because. You feel that, and as we go on, you're just going to feel it more and more of that Marvel's looking for their central character. And in terms of character recognition and popularity, it is Spider-Man. It's always been Spider-Man, but they don't completely own Spider-Man. So then it was, well, uh, Chadwick Boseman is fantastic. He's done in his shoes. And then unfortunately, Chadwick Boseman passed away. And then there's like, oh, no, it's Paul Rudd. But then Quantumania... We'll get into Quantum Mania when we get into Quantum Mania. Can't support the weight of the MCU. Uh, Ant Man can't. And then I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch, they like playing in kind of the weird edges. So there, there's been this desperation to find somebody. And of course, you know, Eternals and then the Disney show, they're just pulling every character they haven't made yet. And they're like, well, maybe you're the center. And then the worst move they made was like, oh, the center will be Kang. And then. Yeah. Just from the headlines, that was a risky position. So Marvel, Marvel's lost its sure footing after Endgame for a variety of reasons. But I think that's one of the main ones is that most of the people they banked on taking over Robert Downey Jr.'s spot uh, for life reasons haven't worked out. Well, that's the one thing you could see in this movie is how much more, how very polished it is. I mean, if you haven't, if you've, if you've been watching MCU films since the pandemic, we always think, well, you know, what's Marvel going to do after Endgame? It's like, well, no, I think the tone changes after this movie. This movie still feels like it's Endgame in, in terms of what the MCU was, even if it's an after um, credit, I guess it's a whole movie of after credit stuff. Um, but, you know, well, what do you... Did you guys feel like that way? Like this was like kind of like watching a more pre-pandemic 
MCU movie. I mean, obviously, I, it I is. did, but I also felt like uh, this is the movie leading into No Way Home, which is an even bigger movie and still has this tone. So even though the MCU starts to drift away from this sure-footed tone, No Way Home is one of those one of those shining beacons. It's almost like the Zack Snyder DCU era, where it was like I, I would hate 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 a movie, hate a movie, hate a movie, then love one movie. Like Shazam would come out and be like, wow, that was great. And then the next film I would just hate. And I feel like I'm, I'm not at the point of hating any Marvel movies. I just don't love them the way I used to. And you can see the seams in ways that you couldn't before. But um, the, uh, the next movie I can point to, um, loving from the MCU, is a Spider-Man movie. Uh, so I feel like in some ways, maybe it's because Sony's sharing it with Disney. So it gets more money because they both have to put up the money and they both have to tell the other how much money they're putting up. So they can't cheap out in a She-Hulk kind of way. But I, I do feel like as we go into this phase four, the, the most solid thing is no way home. And they'll try to do it again with Dr. Strange and, and Dr. Strange is good, but man, it gets wobbly because of the amount of stuff they start to place on it. John, um, would you know, does, do the Spider-Verse movies count towards Sony's um, obligation to make no. a Spider-Man movie? No, they can make Spider-Verse, they can make 50 Spider-Verses. They don't have to go to Kevin Feige. It's not part of their agreement. It doesn't, it doesn't count at all because it's an animated movie. And when they, uh, when they announced it, they announced it as the Miles Morales animated movie. And I remember my reaction was like, all right, there's going to be low budget. He's the secondary Spider-Man character. He's popular, but they don't want to confuse it with Peter Parker. So yeah, we'll, we'll do like a, a kid's movie version. But then Spider-Verse turned into what it turned into. So that's all of these things that Sony's doing. Morbius, Craven. They're supposed to be doing Madam Web. Uh, they're trying to make movies out of the villains, which obviously they're making villain movies without Spider-Man, which is really dicey. So, but they can use any character they want in the Marvel universe, except a live action Peter. And maybe that's one of the reasons, and I'm just thinking of this now, maybe that's one of the reasons they've been reticent in the MCU movies to embrace all the Spider-Man mythology. You know, we, we get J. Jonah Jameson as an Easter egg at the end of this. I mean, he's, I would say the most important civilian character in Spider-Man next to Anne May. Um, you know, we don't we don't have much of the myth, mythology characters. And that's always disappointed me about the MCU because I always felt that Spider-Man had the best civilian characters of any any comic. I mean, you go down the line you, to people like Mary, Mary Jane, we have, we have MJ. Who, who's completely redone. But Betty Brand, Flash Thompson, Harry Osborn, Norman Osborn, you know, Robbie Robertson, uh, there's so many, so many rich characters that they did not go near in this trilogy. And now I'm wondering out loud, and you guys can agree or disagree with me. I wonder if maybe because they, they can save those characters for their own movies. Well, I was reading, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but there was a rumor, and I don't know if this was confirmed by, any, by anyone or anything, that they want Tom Holland back to do another three films. Oh, they do. Yeah. And Tom and, Holland yeah. wants to. It's it's a money thing. And now it's oh, yeah. a strength thing. And that No Way Home is, they consider the end of his origin, so, which is on one on one hand, it's, that's a long ass origin, three movies. <laughs> um, but it's like now we can get maybe in the next Spider-Man 4, whatever the, the next film, 
Sp- Spider-Man solo film after No Way Home with the events of that, how that movie ends, then they can start to reintroduce some of those elements. Like we get this, if you want to, if you want to buy that line about this being an origin trilogy, we see a different spin on Spider-Man uh, than we had seen with, you know, the Tobey Maguire films and the Andrew Garfield films that, like you said, ticked all those boxes where you have Aunt May and you have J. Jonah Jameson in a, in a prominent role and all the sort of secondary uh, supporting characters. Um, now he's more in where, not, obviously I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but where things end um, at the at the end of No Way Home, he's more in a place where we can kind of maybe get back to that the, the classic Spider-Man where you can intro, slowly introduce those characters that we haven't had in the first these these three previous Tom Holland films. Yeah, I think so. I think these movies are Spider-Man with crutches in terms of mythology. It's like, what if Spider-Man is supported by all of the Disney MCU movies? Yeah. So, so we have, you know, uh, the I we have the focus on high school, which is we've had high school in in Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, but we've never stayed there. Like, you know, Tobey graduates high school at the hour mark of Spider-Man One, and um, Andrew Garfield is not really in class at all in Spider-Man 2, even though he's supposed to be a high school student. But that's a new spin to do it. Uh, But you're right. When we end No Way Home, it's like, okay, we're going to take away the Tony Stark technology. We're going to take away um, that he's friends with everyone in the Marvel Universe because now they don't know who he is. And that movie ends, and I know it's the next movie. It's not this podcast. That movie ends with Peter sewing a costume and swinging around the city. And I and always it's the most classic comic Spider-Man suit we've seen in the MCU yet. Too. Yeah, and and my hope is that we get a more grounded one. I would love um that to be the platform to really bring Vincent D'Onofrio back to the MCU. Mm-hmm. I would love like a gangster level Spider-Man story with the kingpin at the center and then you can you can throw in all these villains as henchmen, a lot of the dummies that, you know, uh the elect, you know, the guys you haven't used yet, the the tarantulas and the shockers and the silver manes and the hammerhead. <laughs> but you, uh, but you could build a, a story with Kingpin and keep it less sci-fi than these movies have been. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is going in. The last I heard, they were breaking the story, but then writer strike, actress strike. Yeah, didn't our uh, previous uh, MCU review guest DG Chichester say that? Kingpin, the Marvel considers Kingpin to be a daredevil villain now. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. think ever since Frank Miller, but they used him in Hawkeye. Yeah, but I mean... It, jumping ahead, so the MCU's used him with characters that don't necessarily go with him. Um, but but the Kingpin was created for Spider-Man, and he's still yeah. prominent. He's a, he's a, looms a much larger figure in Daredevil because, uh, honestly, to be frank, Daredevil doesn't have a deep bench like Spider-Man does. Spider-Man yeah. can give up Kingpin and still have great Green Goblin stories and Dr. Octopus stories and Vulture stories. Daredevil has, you know, bullseye. Yeah. Which is decent, but yeah, not, not, yeah, but, but he doesn't have, you know, his early guys are like the Anna men and stilt man and, stilt man. you know, didn't they're, they're not a bunch of, go back to. Didn't they use a bunch of uh, B list uh, uh, bench player Spider-Man villains as as the quote-unquote elementals in this movie, like Hydro Man. Molten Man. Molten <laughs> Man. Well, wasn't that a B-team B, uh, B Spider-Man villain as well? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I was thinking about that as we were talking about it. I think 
I think they're Easter eggs more than anything yeah. else. Because yeah, the the land one looks like Sandman. The water one looks like Hydra Man. The um, the fire one is called the Molten Man, but it's certainly none of those characters. And then the last one is Air, and it's like Spider Man doesn't really have an Air villain. And people are like the Cyclone. I'm like that guy was in one issue in 1973. <laughs> I thought he was a Captain America villain that showed up. <laughs> He's like. Um, so I think, I think those are Easter eggs, but obviously, um, obviously they're not characters cause they're not even real. They're just hot. Yeah. They're just mysterious holograms. I remember when this movie was being made and there was the, all the, the leaks that were coming out, which I tend to avoid, but for some reason with this movie, I, I didn't have a ton of self-control and like molten man, hydro man. And people were seeing like the probably concept art in, in early effects tests. Oh, they're going to have all these all these, like you said, like B-list villains and people are like, this is, they're going to have the Sinister Six in this movie. (laughs) Weird, very like ragtag Sinister Six with all these like B and C-list villains. And then John- You don't even get the Sinister Six in No Way Home. There's five (laughs) villains. They fell just one short. Um, And, and, you know, we do get the full Sandman in No No Way Home and Peter's not like, hey, you're like that thing Mysterio made. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, they do, speaking of Easter eggs, I mean, they do drop a little bit of a hint of how a possible origin for the Fantastic Four, because the Fantastic Four have been made comparisons have been made to the four elements. You know, the Invisible Woman's air, the Human Torch of Care is fire, the Thing is earth, and uh, Mister Fantastic is water. And then there's this bit when they're when um, when the Mysterio. It's talking about the the where he came from in the multiverses again, also dropping the multiverse there. This is, I believe is the first mention of the multiverse. Yeah, and yeah. it's bullshit, but, but it is the first time the multiverse is mentioned. It's bullshit, and yet, I mean, he drops six one six universe, which yeah. you know, I was like, wow, which Although, is confirmed in Doctor Strange, right? Or, or that's just something that they stick on because although in um, what is it in um, across it uh, across the Spider Verse. Peter B. Parker is six one six and across mm-hmm. this uh, into the Spider Verse into the Spider Verse, but they're saying the the uh, was it the uh, uh, Miguel O'Hara refers to the the, the Doctor Strange in that nerd at in yeah. Earth one nine 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 or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, uh, other little little bits that are dropped here and there, and of course, um, also the if, uh, to skip ahead and just to the part that we can talk about a little more if you want, but I was annoyed at the post-credit reveal hmm. where, we, oh, yeah. where we learned that Maria Hill and... Not the J. Jonah Jameson scene. No, not the J. Jonah Jameson scene. The scene where um, um, Maria Hill and, and Nick Fury had been re- re- revealed to actually be uh, scrolls the whole time. It was... Um, Talos. Talos, yeah. Talos and his wife, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and Nick Fury is on up in space apparently doing something. Which now we get the secret invasion, and I go, where was any of the payoff to to that? The There's thing. no payoff in secret invasion <laughs> for anyone on any level. <laughs> yeah, it, that is such a waste. I and I think it's because the real Nick Fury would have seen through Mysterio in, in a in a minute. Maybe Samuel yeah. Jackson is playing the character differently in this. Yeah. He's playing it a little behind the beat, and he's taken by surprise a little too often. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like that was a way to explain the plot logic, but, but you're right. It also just sets up secret invasion, which doesn't really go back to that stuff at all. Yeah. It's just all the secret invasion pays off is that Nick Fury has been working with scrolls since Captain Marvel. Well, we talked about the, uh, the different Spider-Man supporting civilian characters we haven't actually mentioned the peter and mj part which is maybe the central part of this kind of the driving force of the whole movie and it just seemed very large sections of it just seemed very peter parker where he has this idea of getting this this necklace in venice and and trying to time it up exactly right and it gets broken and there's the it's incredibly well acted when they're on the Charles Bridge in Prague. Um, and she tells him that it's like, oh, you're Spider-Man. And he has like, so the whole time you were watching me because you thought I was Spider-Man, like the drop in the tenor of his, you can see his heart shatter into a million pieces in just slow motion. That's a credit to both uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya for it because she plays it very cool. It's like, yeah, I was just watching you because you're Spider-Man and you could just see him just like. It's like Ralph Wiggins. Yes. Like Ralph, right. Yeah, exactly. Ralph. Wiggins. You can see the exact moment his heart shatters. <laughs> and then, and then with the, the, because then we go into the Mysterio tech and then he like, you can s- and again, a credit to Tom Holland and Zendaya for playing this so well. You can see the wheels working in his head, and then he suddenly turns around. He's like, I am Spider-Man, and I think I really screwed up. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> I love her reaction. She's like, really? I was only 67% sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and again, that's the MCU. I love their relationship, which, of course, is a real relationship. And oddly, every live-action Peter and MJ have started a relationship on the set. Um, none of them have lasted <laughs> except for Tom Holland and Zendaya, but I love, they have a real natural way of talking to each other. And, and as you were saying before, all the high school kids feel like high school kids in these movies, you know, they're not, they don't feel like adults in a high school setting. They're doing dumb things. Like the, the, the relationship with Ned and Betty is the dumbest, most adolescent thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's because they sit next to each other on a plane they're in a relationship for two weeks, but that it is the exact same thing that happens. Those are high school. Rela- I had, I had that relationship. Oh, I once stole my girlfriend, my friend's girlfriend on a bus ride back from, from <laughs> state championships. You know, I'm still friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> so for folks, if I get a little bit frustrated with the films, remember these are meant to be John Hughes films that take place in the Marvel cinematic universe. That's what they intend to be. And you keep telling yourself that, you know, if you're like over 30 and expecting anything more than just check it because, um, and I think again, there were where we will talk about this film in the future, but that was the one criticism I kept hearing about no way home was that Peter Parker acts too much like a kid. I'm like, yeah, because he's a kid. That's 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 the essence. That's what made Peter Parker. That's what made right. Spider-Man such a popular character when he came out in the comics. He was he wasn't a millionaire. He wasn't some dude who dressed up as a bat and could intimidate, you know, in, intimidate his his uh, his uh, his the villains that he, you know, or criminals. Half the time when Peter Parker took on uh, one of his enemies, 
he either had a cold or he had his arm in a sling. And it's like, and I remember reading those issues of Spider-Man going, man, I just wish once Peter could take on the rhino at full strength. But no, it's something's always happening to him. It's like, it's always the Michael Jordan flu game with, with Peter Parker. <laughs> and and that's something that bothered me about these movies is that you don't get a lot of the, uh, the loser Peter. Like Peter, you know, you don't get that lonely loser Peter who's constantly, he's constantly missing engagements with his friends and missing important moments because he's stopping the rhino from attacking a bank. And, uh, and his life gets worse and worse and worse because he's always Spider-Man. We don't see that until No Way Home. And you're right. You, uh, it just hit me when you were saying Peter's not a millionaire, but these are movies where he can, where he can make a call and a Stark jet lands in Holland and makes him a spider armor. Um, it's cool and it, it's a nice it's a, a nice spin on it, but that's never felt quintessentially Spider-Man. Spider-Man is is the loser in the bad apartment who's barely making enough of pictures of himself that he knows will be used against him <laughs> just to make rent. Every time this is why I love J.J. Jameson so much. Every time he goes in and hands those pictures, he's just like, I'm asking you to tell the city I'm a creep. <laughs> because he has no other options. He's barely, he's barely getting by. And, oh, and, case, yeah. and by the way, if you're not up on Spy- Spider-Man lore, I could talk about J. Jonah James and all the all goddamn day long, but um, they have now recast J. J. Jonah Jameson as an alt-right podcaster <laughs> who I reread the issue has Spider-Man as a guest and they <laughs> argue until the wall explodes. <laughs> Oh my! Wait, we're talking about in the comic book now. In the comic, yeah, it was a Nick Spencer comic. Oh, Nick Spencer. Okay, I can't see Dan Slott doing that, but okay. Right. No, no, it was uh, Chip Zdarsky actually decided that J. Jonah Jameson would find out, but then Nick Spencer followed up with the podcast. Uh speaking of of uh, interesting uh, developments, yes. Uh, if you're watching on the live stream, uh, Dexter has made an appearance. This is the little gremlin of a dog that we always reference at the end of every he episode. Is. Yeah. Why, he's, my, why? Uh, he's a goblin. Not the green goblin. goblin. It's a black goblin, but a goblin nonetheless. <laughs> little goblin, little man. I've met I've met that little guy. He's, he's adorable. <laughs> All right. Uh, John. Uh, we haven't done this in a while, but were there any toys? Oh, there were lots and lots of toys. It was actually hard to choose. Um, as we, we've been kind of talking about the history of Marvel Legends as we've gone on, the popularity getting bigger and bigger. Obviously, there was a whole set for this with a build a molten man and a Mysterio and several Spider-Mans because he goes through a few costume changes in this. Uh, but there were also high-end figures like there was a, a Mafex, a Japanese import. So uh, the one I chose to do which I modified just for this is the hot toys, 12 inch Mysterio. And uh, for the first time, well, this, here's the head I usually use. Cause this head is, this is the display head, which is really cool. Is the fishbowl that lights up. But the reason it's not on the body now is it also comes with a Jake Gyllenhaal. John, you're muted. Have I been muted the entire time? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Oh, you know what? Uh, did, did he? Did Jake Gyllenhaal mute me? Jake yep. Gyllenhaal muted. He's an yeah. egomaniac, I tell you. You know, he's got to double the damage. He needs his cape steamed, and he won't let me talk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
this one was really, really nice. And obviously I display him with the fishbowl head because that's the classic one. But, um, but yeah, this, it, this is a big one. And as we get in no, no way home, not only will we get toys, we're still getting them. So Spider-Man is something that continues to, to give wow. and give. Um, but you know, we've had Spider-Man toys since the early seventies and they're just getting better and better and better. John, there- can you, can you replace the Jake Gyllenhaal head with the werewolf head? Yeah. Was there a night monkey variant is my question. There was a hot toys, not there was a night monkey, Marvel legends. And there was a hot toys night monkey, which I thought was not, their kind of Easter egg way of doing the black costume because they were using the symbiote in, uh, in venom. Well, and, and venom's origin has nothing to do with Spider-Man now, but, uh, I, I think it was an excuse to get him in an all black costume just for those fans of which I am a big one. What I love about that is all of the products says Spider-Man stealth suit. Uh, But everyone calls it night monkey. That's what I'd call it. I want a night monkey figure. Night monkey. (laughs) John, do you know if, if um, with the whole Sony and Disney arrangement, if they were to hypothetically in one of the next, couple uh tom holland spider-man films do the symbiote storyline or bring venom in do they have to use tom hardy's version or can they do their own version i don't think they do because because they're playing in the multiverse so much but we had that um venom 2 had an easter egg scene where venom crosses into the mcu and sees tom holland spider-man on television yeah. And that is not paid off in any way whatsoever. No, it's paid off. Yeah, he, he ends up drinking with one of the team members on Ted Lasso. That's how it's paid off. And then we we, we get we get the single drop of the uh, Venom symbiote yeah. sitting there in a bar in 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 Mexico. I'm sure that it's fully capable of making its way to New York. Right. So Dave, there could be an MCU Eddie Brock out there who gets it. Or, or a completely different character. I, I would like Tom Hardy to do it because Tom Hardy's got a, a luggage bag full of ticks for that character that I haven't seen since Johnny Depp played a pirate. <laughs> I mean, I thought his Bane was over the top hole. <laughs> I love those movies in spite of myself. Was this when, uh, with um, No Way Home, I'm sorry, Far From Home, was this when... Tom Holland famously got a little bit inebriated and called Kevin Feige, begging him to like work things out with Sony so that he can continue to be in the MCU. Cause I think there were, you know, there was, yeah, talk trying to write down, I'm, I'm trying to remember that the time that was happening. I wonder if it was be, before this, I know no way home was, is his last contracted film, but, um, but I know talks have broken down several times with Sony and Disney because, you know, when you're making movies that make a billion dollars, you know, and both studios are thinking they each should get 700, you know, it's not going to be a harmonious relationship. But Sony has to make a Spider-Man movie at least one every three years, if I remember correctly. Or Disney will get it. I, I, and I believe the Spider-Verse movies count. They that, have to put out a movie with Spider-Man's name on it. So that, that does count. If they do the Spider-Verse movies, those count towards them keeping yeah. the character. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because Peter B. Parker is in all of these films too. So if they really want to argue, which lawyers do. Okay, because um, yeah, and I know Tom Holland now says he's like he's taking a vacation from acting in general, and of course, also with 
with the strike, you know, no one's doing anything. Everyone's taking vacation. Yeah. What I, my favorite thing about the SAG strike now is there's a reunion of every movie and TV show you want to see because it's always a selfie of the entire cast picketing. Yeah. And they <laughs> like, can't talk about whatever it is that they they were on. They, they they're no. they can't Oh, it. in fact several podcasts have shut down. Yeah. And and other podcasts have had to say we are not we're not we're not allowed to talk about it. I know uh, Terry Metalis was on a Star Trek show and they really walked around Picard. And, you know, you can talk about your history, but the Always Sunny podcast is not even recording episodes. I know um, I listened to this week's Smartless and they said, well, the, that that episode was recorded prior to the strike. So, um, but yeah, they got uh, the last Rob Lowe episode I listened to where um, I think his wife was on. No, um, who was he talking to? I forget who he was talking to, but he, you know, uh, uh, Craig Ferguson. They mentioned the strike. It was in the, in the middle of the strike. And um, yeah, they were like, podcasting yeah. is such a gray area because it's a little bit of promotion, which falls under SAG, and it's a little bit of journalism, which doesn't. Mm. Where are we on that scale? Uh, no, none members. of us are SAG members. None of us are members of the WGA. WGA. Okay. If, if I, uh, if I want I, auditions for Colbert, that's as far as I got into the WGA. <laughs> Had, had I gotten my WGA card, I probably would have to sit, sit out this one. So, so, sorry. But, hey, in the end, it's all for the best. Because this show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, none of us are, FYI, none of us are associated with SAG, AFTRA, or the WGA, nor the AMPTP. So, we're not, we have no, no uh, bones in this broth nothing yeah nothing we're just a bunch of fans talking about it yeah i don't think any of us are on the billionaire side either though no, yeah. that, no because remember they were giving they were talking about uh for the last few conventions uh there were a lot of cosplayers just regular cosplayers again who are not members of any of the unions and they were being told that they can't cosplay as anything because I, i'm like what why you know they're not they're not scabbing they're not taking anybody's job they're just dressing up in a costume for a convention i don't I, you know you know it's because the companies use pictures of the mat conventions oh, as free yeah. publicity yeah and like look at all these guys dressed as venom go see venom well but still that's i know and and you're right it's these guys using their own time their own money you know and it's fandom i mean you tell me now i can't be a fan and display my fandom that's that's I'm sorry. I'm sure there are people who are voice, there are folks out here there who have very strong opinions about yeah. that. And of um, course, comics are not covered by the WGA, so these characters are going to continue to appear in print with no, with no pause in publication. Right, and there are a lot of. I mean, there are comic book writers who are like they need to do their jobs. You know, they might have jobs in also working in television or whatever, but you know, they're they they. Their comic book contracts are not covered by any of this. No, so like Neil Gaiman can't talk about Good Omen season two, but he could do a new Sandman comic if he wanted to. Right. He just couldn't talk about Sandman season two on Netflix. And it's on. And uh, speaking of, I mean, there is an actual Good Omens comic book in production right now on Kickstarter um, that uh, Neil Gaiman is writing, and Colleen Doran's doing the artwork for it. Apparently. Uh, that baby's already a approached two million dollars on them on on Kickstarter as far as fund. It's way past the the targets for funding. So they should take that money and just do a season three, because as much as I love Neil Gaiman's writing, 
uh, if he makes a book or a comic out of it, it's not going to be David Tennant and Michael Sheen saying those lines. No, it's not. But at the same time, you can't, right? You know, you can't produce anything right now. You can't do. And plus two million is nothing compared to what it would take. But for like. a comic. For a comic, yes. A comic doesn't make two million. No. But I will, I will say I think Colleen Duran's long overdue getting paid for a job. She's... She, she's long overdue for the stardom that she should have gotten a long time ago. Anyway, but that's an aside. We're getting way off the track as far as Spider-Man goes. Let's just do, what about the um, getting back onto the, this particular movie? Um, so hopefully as the brandy begins to fade and the espresso begins to kick in. Um, <laughs> um, uh, the 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 travel aspect is really different. This is the mentioned the John Hughes. This is kind of the National Lampoon's European Vacation of MCU movies. They even use the, the same song in the very yeah. beginning. Yep. So it's um, it's very different. I don't think we really have a, a vacation theme. Um, the, no, you know, and there's there's precedent in the comics for Spider Man traveling. Um, there's precedent in the comics for Spider Man doing anything. Because um, at the very least, Marvel team up would have him meet every other character in the Marvel universe, and usually he would just do what they do. But there are classic stories of Spider-Man going to England and and London, um, but, but it's not a key part of the character, so it stretches it. But then again, they do it in a believable way. Like I do believe this is a study group that is getting to go abroad for the summer. Yeah. It made me think. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned Marvel Two and One because I remember that 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 issue of Marvel Two and One when uh, Spider Man, uh, Peter Parker, goes to Los Angeles to cover a story for the Daily Bugle, and he meets up with Angel, who at that point is a member of the Champions, not the X Men, but Warren Worthington is the the leader of the Champions. And the first is like Hercules, Ghost Rider, and Black Widow. It's a yes. crazy, crazy team that did not work. Did not work, but man, I love that team because then they're out, he's out there and he's like Peter Parker's like, oh, 90 degrees in January. Oh, no wonder I'm gonna get a cold now. <laughs> that that was the first time I was like, wait a minute, it gets warm in California in the winter. What? <laughs> That's how young I was when I read that. But, but to the point where, yes, it's Peter Parker just going around and that little thing, that fish out of water type deal. Some kid from the Queens, you know, even that in first, Los Angeles, yeah. it was like a bit much for him. Yeah. That first hotel in Venice is just great. That's your class trip hotel right oh, yeah. there of like, it's, 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 it's literally under the aqua, the Alta Aqua. Uh, it's sinking into the lagoon. And there's so many, there's so many Marvel Easter eggs there. There's, there's a lot of signs in Venice that are named after prominent Spider-Man writers. You know, Dan Slott, Brian Michael Bendis, David McElhinney, Jim DeMattis. Uh, all of them have like signs around the, around the neighborhood. Anyone with an Italian last name is getting a guess. Well, DeMatt- DeMattis is the name of the hotel. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, Jan DeMattis has, has been on Captain Comics and absolutely an Italian-American New Yorker. <laughs> so, fantastic guy and a fantastic writer. So, anytime I see his name, it's a, it's a joy. You got to see if we can get him to talk about Craven since he did write the famous Craven's Last Hunt. Oh, we haven't. You know what? I should rerun that episode because we talked about that the first time he's on the show. And, God, it must be seven, eight years ago now. Yeah, that'll be next up, folks, on Captain <laughs> 
Well, okay. So my my thing here now, let's I feel like just like we are now in with the writer strike, and we're gonna be going into there's gonna be this weird, as you mentioned, Tom, this weird phase. You know, it's called the plague. Yeah, well, the plague is gonna do some things. I mean, and the, the writer strike is also gonna be affecting a Marvel Productions. Uh, we're not going to see it probably for a bit. It's funny how movie studios are trying to act like business as usual. They made an announcement that, you know, uh, Donald Glover and his brother are going to be doing a Lando series for Disney Plus. Um, that they, they, you know, Deadpool, I mean, although Deadpool 3 has stopped production, they keep, you know, showing images from the 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 set they have you know rumors going around about that um you know i i'm i myself am trying to see oh and i think i did um captain america uh brave new world finished production or was it stopped I, I i can't remember one of them there's one marvel movie that actually finished production before the strike I think Captain America is the next one up. I haven't heard. I I know Harrison Ford's in it, so that's the one that's gotten the most amount of conversation. Yeah. And I, I, that's probably, you know, I, I foresee him being in like maybe 10, 15 minutes. Maybe like to the level that um, Robert Redford was. Well, I just find it weird they said he's playing Thunderbolt Ross, so they're recasting William Hurt, who passed away. I'm, I, I, I just feel like he's Harrison Ford. You can just give him another character. Who who would you put in there? I don't know. Henry, Henry Peter Gyrick. Like Garrick, though's got a lot of baggage. So That's the point. He's not a well. He's not a well liked character by the other characters, but he's memorable. I'm just wondering where going forward because now we've got Loki coming up, right? Loki Loki season two. Yeah, we have Loki season two and Ahsoka. I think that's all we got because Andor was shut down in the middle of production. Right. And then Marvel, but outside of and then I think uh, well, Deadpool three was supposed to be the lead off to uh, in twenty twenty three for the big Marvel year. I mean, they were going to make it May. It, um, Captain America was originally supposed to be the May Marvel movie that got shifted for Deadpool three. Right, Marvel. and don't forget we had um, before the strike, we had Bob Iger saying that Disney was going to slow down and things were going to get pushed back because they've been stretched so thin especially with the disney shows that it interest is starting to wane i mean how long has it been since our last mcu podcast yeah you know it's hard to keep that enthusiasm up when you when you're not getting the quality you were getting so they were they were starting to push stuff back and pace stuff out and you know series become movies movies become series but yeah the, the strikes don't help anything Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. Brother against brother. <laughs> Civil war. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with them going back to two movies a year. I mean, they were pushing it. I mean, they were doing trying to do three there for a bit. And like, yeah, give me two. Heck, give me one Marvel movie a year. If, yeah, if you- once I'd, I'd be fine with one summer, one Christmas, uh, Christmas being a lesser one, and, you know, two series a year. Because I like, the series, fo- I like the fact that the series focuses on characters that can't sustain a movie, like you know, like the Halloween Werewolf by Night special was a lot of fun. We probably never see Werewolf by Night ever again, but we did it. And you know, and, and Disney's talking about well, they want to start cutting back, but they have this screwy release schedule. 
haunted mansion in the middle of summer? Why why didn't they push that back to Halloween? You know, wouldn't it? Because make- it worked so well the last time. <laughs> but well, the Eddie Murphy movie did fairly. Eddie well. Murphy movie bombed very hard. They or an up- Eddie Murphy movie, yes. They they put up Pirates of the Caribbean. I want to mention followed Pirates of the Caribbean, and then it bobbed so hard they made Pirates of the Caribbean too. The idea was they were going to make like every movie as a ride, so we probably would have gotten like a small world movie. But then the first one I wanted to mention tanked. And you know what? That the last voyage of the Demeter tanked a, a Dracula movie in August. Yeah, which again right. makes no sense. The, move it to Halloween, but toward the fall. That's when people want to see vampire movies. That's why th- that's when your next paranormal activity is going to come out. When your next, you know, um, uh, was it the the haunting or Insidious or whatever, you know, the next Saw movie. You know, it's all. They, the they were saying the same thing about the. Uh, it's called Renfield. The Nicholas yeah. Cage. Oh yeah, that that sucked. <laughs> yeah, it came out a few months ago, and people were saying this. Like, why are you releasing this? Yeah, whatever the spring or the summer, make this. They like dumped Halloween. that on Peacock, and when I watched it, I was like, oh, I see. I it, <laughs> it had every reason to bomb. Yeah, but even even people go to see crappy horror movies around Halloween all the time. I mean, let's be honest. Not not every horror movie is, is a jump scare great film. Some of them are like, eh. You know, but it's no, well, Gen, Xers, Gen Xers grew up in the era where every horror movie was a piece of crap. Well, yeah, so keep it, and they make money. They make money because it's that time of the year. You know, I will see a, a scary movie uh, approaching Halloween. Sure, I, that's why there. I think there's always this disconnect for these movie ex- studio executives. Like they think, well, it didn't do well because it's a, it the movie sucked. They're like, ah. Look at all the stuff that sucks that still makes money because of when you release it. You have to learn when the when people are in the mood for that kind of thing. You know, hey, I love Thai food, but maybe I didn't want it on a Monday. I'll be in the mood for it on Friday. You know? I actually did eat Thai food today on a Monday. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I actually want Thai food. <laughs> God damn it, Tom. <laughs> oh god I <laughs> i've done it again again <laughs> but still um and then and and again we'll we'll go back to this whole thing about people not wanting to go to movies uh unless it's barbie unless it's barbie and and uh oppenheimer oppenheimer 650 million now yeah. so it's not that people don't want to go to the films it's just they're getting people in the mood. The marketing is catching people at the right time. And they're like, yeah, you know, let's make it an event. I want to go see. I'm going to do the Barbenheimer thing. I'll go see Barbie one day and I'll see Oppenheimer the next. Dave, did you do that? I saw uh, I saw Oppenheimer a Friday night. And then my wife and I saw Barbie the following afternoon. So clo- um, within 24 hours, although not so in the you same. Did the, you, you did the upper high me. You didn't yes. have the, <laughs> the reverse. I I just know I want to watch Oppenheimer in my living room. I I I know it's a movie that I'm going to really enjoy and want to pause. So, but we did go to Barbie last week, and and it's fantastic. Which brings me to my next point: a segment that I'd like to uh, introduce in future episodes, and things that we would like to ask our viewing audience. Uh, Let's talk about the rewatchability factor here. So, with all these movies, I mean, the the Marvel Studios has released a shit ton of movies, and let's be honest, there are some that we've loved, 
and some maybe not so much. Some that we've watched them once, and that's more than enough. <coughs> Eternals. Or some that we like watching again and again and again. So on a rewatchability scale, from 1 to 10, Spider-Man, Far From Home. John, we're going to start with you. I'm sure I already know your answer. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 because... Uh... I had a lot of fun watching it today. I've watched it many times. But if I'm going to reach for a Spider-Man movie, it's not my first reach. You Your know, first reach I'll, I'll be- probably go No Way Home or Homecoming or Spider-Man 2 before I go Far From Home. But uh, after I've seen those again, I'll, I'll you know, it, uh, I'll put it on. It's like it's, you know, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is not a good analogy. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's like uh, after your favorites is always good to watch. I don't know that this is anybody's favorite. Dave? Yeah, I would say a seven or eight. It's it's um, one of the things that it has going for it is uh, it doesn't doesn't drag. It's also not what it feels like. It's one of the last of the more recent Marvel movies that's not almost three hours long. Um, there was a stretch for a while there where it was like every single movie was like two hours and 35 minutes or two hours and 40 minutes. This one's like just over two hours. So really without the credits and everything, it's like just, just around two hours. So, uh, which is, I think the sweet spot for, for a comic book movie. So that's, that's part of it as well. But yeah, for all the reasons John mentioned, I think it's, it's not, it wouldn't be my go-to Spider-Man film to watch, but it's certainly an enjoyable one. Tom. I'm going to go to the little higher on the end of the spectrum. I'm going to go with an, I'm going to go with an eight or nine. Like I think it's eminently rewatchable. I agree that it's, it's not, um, when I'm ordering up a Spider-Man movie, it's not my first choice. But I don't know if that affects how rewatchable it is in it, on its own merits. I think it's, I think the dialogue is still very crisp. The scenes are, when they're trying to be funny, it's funny. The action sequences uh, have some have some stakes in them, even if they're not necessarily enormous stakes, and they don't fall into the trap that some comic book movies go where the action sequences go on too long uh they're able to to keep it nice and crisp and 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 stop it when it needs to be stopped um so even though this is betting further down in the order on my list of spider-man movies i don't think that it's any less rewatchable i'm sure this is somebody's favorite spider-man movie it may not be mine or john or dave's or elliot's but it's somebody's I would score it the same as you guys, but I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm going to deduct a point, be, and I'm going to blame Disney for it. Um, they're conditioning us to find everything on streaming, and the fact that they're making these films difficult to find on streaming, um, it, it just affects whether you watch it again. Um, also, we have this whole thing where Disney is going to start, they're going to start phasing out um, um, physical media. You're going to see they're going to be releasing fewer and fewer films on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K. They're going to lean heavily into you wanting to get a Disney Plus a subscription or even buying the buying it digitally and have that uh, sucker in your cloud. Um, I know the, the announcement recently, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is probably going to be the last of the Marvel movies that we know is going to have a a blu-ray release um they might decide to not you know go further than that because again they're pushing there's there's expense in production um 
and it's easier for them to just say, hey, buy it digitally, buy it from your 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 streamer, you know, have it in your cloud. Um, I pray to Jeebus that they don't do that for Dial of Destiny. I need to have Dial of Destiny on Blu-ray. Uh, they uh, they have already cut off sales of the Dial of Destiny soundtrack on CD. You could only buy it through Disney Music Emporium, and after a month of it being available for pre-order, you can no longer order the Dial of Destiny soundtrack on CD. You can stream it online, but you can't order it. You can't get a physical copy. So I'm, I'm, that's my roundabout way of saying that Disney is going to start affecting uh, whether I want to watch certain things depending on where I, what streaming service I can find it on. And I'm, unfortunately, uh, Far From Home is going to get the get a, uh, a nick for that. Uh, uh, let's see. Marvel fanfare. The set. Uh, Ash Williams, Joe Biden. I'm trying to find the reference point. I think the one we were talking about Marvel team ups. Ah, yes. Marvel team ups. I used to love, um, especially uh, Marvel fanfare. The Savage Lands. You had Spider-Man and the X-Men in the Savage Land. Uh, it was a four-issue mini done for Marvel Fanfare Magazine. The first two uh, issues were drawn by Michael Golden, my my all-time favorite Marvel artist, followed by Paul Smith, who would do the next two. And then um, they've actually collected that story into a trade paperback, which I luckily have. Um, but uh, those issues of Marvel Fanfare have, uh, fetch a hefty penny right now in the secondary market. All right, uh, we're approaching the hour and a half mark. Any closing thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home? Let's lead off with you, Dave. Um, just probably summing up everything I've said already. It's a nice breezy movie, nice kind of smaller story that focuses on the characters, on a smaller cast of characters. Um, a great villain in Mysterio. Some some cool Easter eggs with, as Tom mentioned, some... Uh, uh, they find a way to, to cleverly work in some of the, the B-list Spider-Man villains. Um, again, not, not my favorite of the trilogy, but still a uh, still an enjoyable film in its own right. It's like, you know, if you're ranking the Star Wars trilogy, the original one, even the, whatever you rank as the third is still a great movie. So um, you can't go wrong with this one, I'd say. Tom? Uh, I'd say... Uh... Give it another shot if if uh, maybe you watched it once when it came out and then you kind of left it alone. There's a lot that we haven't even talked about. We talked for an hour and a half about this movie and we didn't even get to um, John Favreau dating Aunt Lisa Marie uh, in this movie. So, you know, we we didn't even get to that. So there's a lot going on in this movie. I would push back a little on the idea that it's that it's lighter because it does have a lot of heaviness and a lot of weight in some important places. But uh, give it another shot if you've if you've been sleeping on this for a while. John, I want, as much as I talked about how this is not the classic Spider-Man movie, but it is good. I really appreciate its ties to the MCU. I think one thing we didn't get to is that making Mysterio and uh, a disgruntled Stark employee. I felt worked really well. And then tying in Peter Billingsley from the first one, it made much more sense 
was an origin than the comics where it's like Mysterio was a special effects guy who like got fired and um, just Rob Banks. Uh, I I love that it tied into Civil War with the the imaging that um, it it did it in the way the comics did it just made the universe feel bigger. But it didn't make me feel like, oh, I have to have seen Civil War before I saw this. And I, I feel like Marvel should take a lesson from that because they do get sucked into this. Um, they get sucked into, the, into this, not not so much where you have to have seen the last one to understand this one. I feel like they don't do that as much as we're, as every new one's going to have a few scenes that don't make any sense of the story because we want to talk about something else. And I think the only time we do that in this movie is Nick Fury and the Scrolls. So it's it's nicely self-contained, which is a harder and harder thing to say about the Marvel Universe lately. And yeah, and uh, there are two things, again, with this film. It, enjoyable, yes. Um, but there are two things that it promised that it didn't pay off. A, of course, Nick Fury being in space with Skrulls that you get no payoff in, uh, in Secret Invasion. And... That fun scene when Spider-Man stops those crooks and he's telling the cops, I'm here, I'm doing this because someone, you know, someone's got to do your job, appears in the trailer, but not in the movie. And again, I showed the trailer while we weren't on air. <laughs> so look it up. Uh, we'll post it on the Facebook page. Uh, so you didn't show that scene either. Yeah, I didn't show You and the theatrical version have that in common. Yeah, both, everything. It's just, it's just been one of those evenings, I'm telling you. <laughs> anyway well as always we want to thank you susan uh polar knights ash williams joe biden everyone who watched us on the facebook stream everyone who's watching us on youtube and twitch whether you're watching us live whether you're watching this video as part of the archive remember if you go to the mcu review page youtube page click on the live tab to see all the episodes that we have uh, live streamed in this show, starting with Iron Man. If you go just to the main page, you're going to get a blank screen that says this page has no content. That is a lie. There's lots of content. You just got to click on the live page. And if you're listening to us as part of the Caffeinated Comic Series on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, make sure to subscribe to Radio Misfits so you can get not only MCU review, but all the other topics that we cover on the show, whether it's myself talking to John, or that John is talking to Stephen Brown, or one of his many guests that he has on to uh, to discuss the topics going on in pop culture. So before we sign off, uh, where can we see y'all on the socials, Tom? Well, uh, you can find the uh, espresso martini that we did this week. Uh, and all the drinks that we do for the MCU Review and the Top Men Indiana Jones podcast at R-E-V-U Cocktails on the Instagram app. And maybe I'll, next week I'll throw up a Vesper there. We'll do something for, we'll do something James Bondy at some point, too. Sounds good. Dave? I am on Instagram at Pinto underscore Noir. We should follow you because... Well, I gave a tease of it earlier in the show, my little uh, goblin of a dog, Dexter. Yeah, that was it's about time. Your cats have made several appearances. It was time, yeah. for Dexter. time for yeah. Dexter. John. I am on Not in My Book on Instagram and I have started threads. I have posted nothing, <laughs> but I'm on threads. 
Uh, and when they get a desktop version, I'll probably start posting. And uh, uh, I was on Twitter, but then Twitter became X, and now I'm X Twitter. <laughs> John, I've been meaning to ask you, what is the significance of your uh, your Instagram handle, the the name? Oh, it was. Oh, that's a good story. It was actually a sketch. Uh, we wrote, I wrote for my friend, uh, Howie Weingartner, who's on the show a lot. It was about a book club where a guy, where no matter what book it was, there was a guy that yelled, not in my book. And he always had a copy of his book written by him. <laughs> like his Lord of the Rings was about, was about a guy that was eating all the pretzel rings that he could in 80 days. <laughs> and, was, and I, and I think I chose that as my, uh, AOL handle around the time I wrote the sketch. I've just never changed it. Okay. Works. And I am Elliot Serrano with two L's, two T's, and two R's. You'll find me on Facebook, Instagram, threads. I have been posting on threads. I did post a link to my most recent stint hosting on WCPT radio, uh, where I got to talk to um, Missa Kate of NWA Wrestling, uh, one half of the tag team champions. So you can uh, Follow me on threads, Twitter, Instagram, all those things where you'll not only find uh, links uh, to the MCU review, but as Thomas mentioned, the uh, um, Indiana Jones podcast called Top Men. And at some point, um, Shaken Not Heard will be returning. Um, I'm afraid, though, with the writer strike and all that, they're probably going to be pushing back anything because nothing can happen. Nothing can be developed right now uh, with all that going on. So um, hopefully by the end, I'm, I have this feeling we're going to hear something by the end of the year. I just, I just have this feeling. I want to say Christmas, December, something. Well, that's when Bond movies used to come out, so that would be appropriate. Yeah, but just a, a cool, like an announcement, an announcement. Yeah. Kind of cool. All right. Well, for John Clark, Dave Pinnell. Tom Jutner, I am Elliot Serrano. Thank you so much for joining us today on MCU Review. Join us next time when we will be... Wait, are we talking about a movie or are we going to go into this television series now? I think WandaVision's next, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. I think it is. As we said, we don't have anything Chill Eternals, so it would be WandaVision. Yeah, let's put off let's put off Eternals then. I'm not, I'm not anxious to see that. <laughs> I don't know that I want to see it twice. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Until then, be safe. Be good to each other. Please like, share, subscribe. Tell us what you think. We'll be back talking about WandaVision on the next MCU Review. Good night, folks. <laughs>